24 of Board Game Blitz, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network and a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to deal with the fact that it is already almost the middle of February. Board Game Blitz is sponsored by Gray Fox Games. This week, we're finishing our alphabet games. First, we discuss a couple games we've played recently, like The Shores of Tripoli and Calico. Finally, we wrap up our favorite alphabetical games with the top third of the alphabet. And now, here are your hosts, Ambi and Crystal. Before we hop into our recently played games, we wanted to remind everyone that this Sunday, February 14th, is Galentine's Day. Yes, you heard me right. It's Galentine's Day, friends. A celebration of gal pals, so to speak. (laughs) And we are doing a very special stream as part of the Tabletop Live Network special Galentine's Day event, which I am just so excited about. Mm -hmm. So fun. Yeah, so our stream is going to be at 8 to 10 p.m. Pacific time. We know that that's late for yes. those of you who are not on the West Coast of the United States or in Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but, but there will be streams all the way from, I think, 6 a.m. to 12 midnight uh, Pacific yes. time. Yes, so 18 <laughs> full hours of streams hosted by women or non-binary mm-hmm. board game streamers. And this was Amanda Panda's brilliant idea, and I'm just so excited to be part of it. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. And our stream is going to be sponsored by Button Shy Games, which I'm super stoked about. We're going to be playing Tussie Mussy and Sprawlopolis, and I believe they're giving us uh, some Tussie Mussy to give away to the audience. And we also will have giveaways from Quiver Time. You know, Valentine's Day, the Quiver, the Bolts, mm-hmm. Cupid, all of that. It fits real well. So we're going to be doing lots of fun stuff during our stream. So hopefully you all can stop by. Recently, I got a review copy of The Shores of Tripoli, which is a two-player war game about the first Barbary War, which is uh, it happened like after the American Revolution between Tripoli and the United States. So this is a introductory war game. I mentioned before that I played Cuba Libre, which is a coin game, which is a subset of war games, but this is a different type of war game. It's still card-driven, but it's, it's not the same type of card driven game as coin game but i'll explain that so in the shores of tripoli it's mostly cards and there's dice combat it's a quick game with uh, different win conditions for each side so the u.s side needs to sign a peace treaty or conquer tripoli and to do those certain conditions need to happen and the tripoli side needs to either get 12 gold or sink four u.s frigates or defeat the u.s land army So those are all different conditions too. So on your turn, you have a hand of cards that you draw from your deck, and then you can either use the card for the event text or discard it to do different actions. So the US can either move or attack places, and Tripoli can't move, but it does raids to get gold by um, rolling dice. So a lot of the actions go through the event cards though. Whereas in the coin game, like uh, there were a bunch more actions that you do by discarding the, or but you didn't discard the card. You either do actions or do the event, but like you can do a bunch of your actions. You don't need like a card and the events were shared in the coin game. But here it's like your own hand of cards, which I don't like as much as I mentioned, but it's pretty simple to play because there's only a couple actions that you do. And then the rest is like reading cards. So the way the battles work, you roll dice and you both roll at the same time and sixes are hits. So 
if you've played like Twilight Imperium, it's similar to that where both armies roll at the same time and then like the hits go away. But there's battle cards that you can play to affect the battle, similarly to Twilight Imperium, which is like the only other game I play with battles. <laughs> so I, I don't like dice rolls that much and neither does Toby. So we didn't like this game as much as the coin game that we played. And so in our game, we only played once. Toby was Tripoli and I was the US. And he was doing well with the raids and I was doing well at building up my fleet, which are like the different things you're supposed to do. Uh, and it seemed kind of close because he was getting close to his win condition and I was kind of close to my win condition. But when I got the right event cards to move my army in to attack his army, my rolls were bad. Like I had six units and he had four units and he ended up killing all of mine and I ended up killing one of his Oh, wow. So so he won. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't like <laughs> when that happens. But otherwise, like the game was pretty straightforward. It was quick to play, and like the the event card planning was kind of enjoyable. But I tend to not like games where you want to know all of the cards in your deck and your opponent's deck. And in this game, because the event cards are hidden in your hand, and you like want to be planning ahead for future event cards, you kind of want to know what cards there are. Because a lot of the game is in the event cards. For example, like the rule book doesn't go over the event cards. And the US army, all of that, the land army is all from the event cards. So the rule book tells you how to move your ships and stuff, but it doesn't tell you anything about your land army. So after reading the rule book, I was like, but how do you move your land army? Like, how do you do that? And that's all in the event cards. Like once you start playing, it's straightforward. But I was a little confused after reading the rules because I, I tend to like knowing everything going into the game rather than learning as you go, kind of. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so for me, I, I don't like... I, I used to... Like, I used to play Android Netrunner a lot, and that one you have to really know the cards. And so... But, like, now I don't have the uh, patience, I guess, for having to know all the cards. With, well, with it's not just patience, it's time. Yeah, you know? time. Like, <laughs> it's... You can't jump into any game like that right off the bat and yeah. feel as comfortable as you would like. Yeah. But there's not that many cards, so after a few plays, it, you would get to know them. But then also, like, the dice rolling, Toby doesn't like that either. <laughs> so so it's not my type of game, but it was quick and easy to get into. After we started playing, like, the turns went really fast and it, it flowed really well. So I think it's good for an introductory war game of that type, but I think that type of war game is just not the type that I like. So now I know that. <laughs> and that's Which is the awesome! Yeah. And that was The Shores of Tripoli, a two-player war game that plays in 45 to 60 minutes, designed by Kevin Bertram and published by Fort Circle Games. Like many of us during the past year, while we've been a little more trapped at home than usual, I have been enjoying some board games online recently. And back in 2019, at one of the conventions I attended, I had gotten a demo of Calico, from Flat Out Games and AEG, Calico's designed by Kevin Russ, and the demo that I had done instantly had me enamored, and I was very excited. And so when I learned that Calico was on Tabletopia, I was like, ooh, I'm going to play it. So I recently streamed this game as part of one of our Twitch streams for Tabletop Live Network. So if you're not following us on Twitch, you just need to go do that <laughs> because you're missing out on some really cool stuff, uh, like me playing Calico with Paul Dean on our channel. So Calico is a tile laying game that is ridiculously simple mechanically. 
and very interesting strategically. You all have heard this refrain from me a hundred million times now. The type of games that I tend to enjoy fall into this category quite often. So on your turn in Calico, all you do is take one of the two quilt tiles from your hand and put it onto your quilt. And then you draw a new quilt tile. And that's it! That's literally all you do on your turn. You are trying to construct a quilt on your board that will be appealing to all of the kitties that are selected for that particular game to attract them to come lay down on your quilt. There are a number of ways that your quilt can score you points. At the end of the game, if you get matched tiles of similar colors in groupings of three, you get to stitch buttons onto your quilt, which will be worth points. If you put patterns in specific places or in specific numerical groupings, the cats will come lay on your quilt. And you have three bonus tiles on your quilt that have specific requirements listed on them. And if you meet the requirements on those tiles, those will score you points as well. So... Again, like most games, just ridiculously simple to play, but trying to balance matching colors, matching patterns for the cats, and fulfilling the requirements on your bonus tiles is ridiculously difficult to do all of those things at the same time. And so that's where the real strategy and fun of this game comes through, is trying to make decisions that will help you in multiple ways or not not hurt you, basically, if you're trying to complete a lot of different requirements. It's really colorful and bright. The artwork is done by Beth Sobel, and y'all know she's one of my favorites. It's really gorgeous, and it's really easy to learn and play. I've played it a handful of times now on Tabletopia, and I this is one that I will 100% be adding to my collection. It is just so, so, so good. So that was Calico by Kevin Russ, Flat Out Games and AEG. All right, Ambie, let's hop into the last third of the alphabet for our alphabetical games. I'm really mm-hmm. excited. I think the top half of the alphabet has some good ones in it. Yes, the last third is in the first third of the alphabet. Right, yes. which is why we did this backwards, because yeah. we knew that it would be more underwhelming if we ended at the end of the alphabet. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's go. Um, so we are on letter I, and that is, for me, Indonesia which is a splatter game. It's a heavy game. I actually haven't played a full game of it. So I was not sure if I should put this as my favorite game, but but I really liked it. So there's like a lot of stuff going on. If you played Food Chain Magnet, it's kind of similar to that, but with shares. So you can like buy shares of a company and there's hostile takeovers of the companies and then you're like distributing goods and stuff. So it was a really, it's it's a pretty long in-depth game but it was really exciting and I'd want to play again at some point but you need it's uh, I think a three plus player game so I'm not sure when I'll play again plus it's long so that's Indonesia. My pick for I is Illusion which is one of Wolfgang Warsh's weirdly like underrated titles I think like nobody talks about illusion when they talk about Wolfgang Warsh but it's really good (laughs) it is a card game where you have these weird abstract patterns in four different colors on the backs of all of these cards 
and you look at the card and try and determine what the percentage is of one of the colors on the card. So like how much green is covering the card and put that onto the table in comparison to all the other cards that have already been laid out. So you're looking at the cards on the table and going, does this card have more or less green on it? than these cards or mm. red or blue or yellow, whatever color has been selected for that round. And people just go around placing cards into the row until they think that somebody else has placed something incorrectly. They call it out. It, you go around and around and around. This is one of those games that every single time I teach it to people, they're like, oh, this is really fun. Every yeah, time fun. without fail. <laughs> so that is why Illusion is my pick for I. Yeah, I like Illusion. It's similar to Timeline, but then if you get it wrong, you don't feel uh, stupid. <laughs> yes, yes. And yeah, in Timeline, I do. I feel really stupid, yeah. especially when like it's I'm way off about a thing, you know? Like, mm-hmm. oh, this big moment in history that I have clearly no idea when it happened. Yep. <laughs> All right. For letter H, I have Lahav, which I think counts as H because La is like the, the. right? Yeah, yes. So. Okay, Tom okay. and Eric went through this when they were doing oh, they their did? episodes okay. on the podcast. Yes, because I think one of them did it one way and one of them did it the other. And then oh, they okay, realized, I, I don't know. Needless to say, you're in the clear here. All right. Yes. So Lahav is Uwe Rosenberg game where you are, you're on like a port city and you're building buildings with cards and you, you gather resources, you build buildings and then those buildings have more actions. It's like a worker placement thing. And so other people have buildings too, so you can go to their buildings to do their action, but you pay them in order to use their buildings. So it's a lot of resource building and resource conversion. Uh, It's a lot of fun. I've played it only at three players. I think that's the best player count. That's what people have said. So I don't know what it's like at other player counts though, but that's Lahav. H is painful for me because I have five games that I really (laughs) love that start with H. So rather than rattling them all off... (laughs) like I want to do right now, <laughs> I'm going to pick one. And that one that I'm going to pick is going to be Hanami Koji, which mm-hmm. is a two-player game where each player has a set number of different actions that they can take on their turn only once per round. And those actions involve putting cards out into the middle of the table, trying to gain control of the geishas that are laid out on the table of varying point values. And you're trying over the course of three rounds to either claim a certain number of geishas or a certain number of points worth of geishas. And it it's a really interesting like tug of war style two-player game that's pretty easy to teach but never gets old to play Mm -hmm. and it's paining me not to mention the other games but i'm not going to do it so if anybody wants to know the four other h games tweet me and i'll tell you (laughs) my g i chose the great zimbabwe uh, which is another splatter game but it's a simpler game than indonesia and i've played one full game of it (laughs) so um i need to play that again too but that one Something interesting about it is you. there's different victory conditions that you choose. Or no, it's like you choose a, a god power in the middle of the game and that changes the victory scale. Like you have to get so many points to win. But if you have this power, then you need more points because that's a really good power. But if you have this other power that's slightly less good, then you need fewer points to win. So you choose that partway through the game. I think it's partway through or maybe at the beginning. I don't remember. but <laughs> I think I think it is partway through. I'm okay. not familiar with this game, but I've heard other people talk about it. And I think that's one of the things that they like so much. Okay. Yeah. And I think it's another like you're building stuff and then you're, you have to figure out routes to deliver the things. And there's something with cows. 
<laughs> I don't remember it much, but I remember really liking it. <laughs> but it's like a 90-minute game, so it's a shorter splatter game, I think. But yeah, that's the Great Zimbabwe. My G game is Gravwell, which is one of the, I think, earlier titles from Renegade before they kind of like completely blew up with a whole bunch of awesome games. Gravwell is a race style game where you are piloting spaceships around a spiral board trying to avoid an anomaly and get to the end of a track. And you are doing that by playing cards that either pull you toward or push you away from other things that are on the board. And it so it uses this weird gravity mechanism, basically, which is really neat. I think when people talk about race style games, they often forget about Gravwell. And they shouldn't because it is one of my favorite race style games. And it's really fun to play. So that's why Gravwell is my G game. My F game is Fuse, which is a real-time cooperative dice game. The last 10 minutes, you're trying to defuse a bunch of bombs, which are cards. Um, You go through the deck, and the cards have different squares on them with different uh, conditions for the dice. So one person rolls the number of dice equal to the number of players, and each each turn, I guess, (laughs) it's real-time, so it's just timed. Everyone has to take one of the dice and place it on their cards, and then... Like, if you can't take a die, then you need to re-roll the dice and people need to put dice back in. So it's very frantic and you're trying to plan out, like, make sure everyone can take a die and then you defuse all these cards. And inevitably, somebody takes that die that is the only die that you (laughs) can use and you're just like, oh! You have to, like, yell at people, like, I need that one! Take it! (laughs) Yeah, so I really like frantic real-time cooperative games. So Fuse is my favorite F game. My favorite F game will not come as a surprise to anyone who has heard me talk at all this year uh, because it just came out in 2020 and that is Forgotten Waters. It is the Mm -hmm. game that has completely flipped my statement that I usually make about pirate-themed board games because (laughs) I used to say I hated pirate-themed board games. And this one, this is proof that any theme, any theme, I can like any theme. Maybe Mm -hmm. there is a farming game out there somewhere that I would be like, this is a kick butt farming game i haven't found it yet but forgotten waters has given me my pirate the pirate game of my dreams i love it so much it's cooperative it's story based they have amazing uh voice acting in the online app it's super good i love it uh so that's why forgotten waters is my f game so we need a cooperative story-based farming game. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that doesn't sound bad. Yeah. That's the thing. Put put some story, some flavor. Just put anything into these games other than dry mechanisms. Although, I'm going like, to complain about like this for dry ones anyway. <laughs> uh, okay. So my e-game is Exit the Game. I mentioned Unlock for you. So I, I am putting like escape room games in in this list because i love escape room type games (laughs) they might be my favorite yeah so exit the game is an escape room type game i don't have a specific one for this one because i don't remember like which ones are my favorites i've liked a lot of them the exit ones are not replayable because a lot of them involve folding and cutting of pieces so i like those puzzles a lot it's more puzzle based than uh story themed based for exit games i think compared to unlock but i really like the puzzles I, pre- I like pretty much all escape room taking. Cosmos is coming out with some fun themes. Yeah. And I don't know how much they've announced publicly, but they have some new titles coming up in the exit line that I know you and I are both really excited about. Yeah, I think other people have heard about them because someone mentioned on my, my Puzzles Twitch stream okay. about like 
the exit games that have puzzles in them, which like is really jigsaw exciting. puzzles, yes. not yeah, yeah like yeah, not yeah. just like puzzles that you solve. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm excited for those. For my E, I so I did the opposite of Ambie. Even though I mm-hmm. also love escape room games, I didn't want to have to make a choice here between escape room games, like Escape Room in a Box or Escape Tales: mm-hmm. The Awakening or whatever. Yeah, so or, you know, exit. So I'm I am omitted all escape room games from this list just to make it easier on myself. But that came with an added benefit of my E game is one of the most unique games on this entire Ooh. list, and that is. I, My Favorite Things, which is a Japanese trick-taking game. So I is spelled like the I in your head, E-Y-E. I, My Favorite Things. And it is a trick-taking game where your hands... Okay, I have to describe this for those who haven't heard me talk about it before. All of the cards have these dry erase boards that then go into sleeves. And what you do is you pass your cards to the player on either your left or your right, and you give them a category. So I might pass my cards to Ambie and say, your favorite snacks. And Ambie will have cards that have one through five and zero on them. And she will write her top one through five snacks and her least favorite snack on the zero card. And she will pass those back to me with them in the sleeves. So I no longer know what numbers are associated with the answers. I just see the answers. Everybody does this with different categories for each person. And then we all play a trick-taking game. So like... Ambie's snacks, I might be pitting like Ambie's candy bar against somebody else's favorite movie. Like Mm -hmm. it is super weird, but if you're playing it with the right people, it's so much fun. And it really like, especially for like a game group where you know the people, it's a really neat way to like learn cool new facts about your friends, but like in the context of a really interesting trick taking game. So yeah, I know I talked a lot about it, but it's because I think this is one of those games that many people have not heard of. And it's super awesome, especially if you like trick takers and learning more about your friends. Mm-hmm. So that's I, my favorite things. Mm-hmm. My favorite game that starts with the letter D is probably not really a surprise. Um, Dungeon Pets, I've mentioned <laughs> a lot of times <laughs> and we still need to play it. Yes, and it's on Board yes, Game Arena yes, now. So is. we're going to be doing that very soon, yes. y'all. Well, I when to. I say very soon in like stream time, that means within the next month or two. <laughs> year, within the next year now. <laughs> no, I'm determined. Yeah, We've okay. been talking about Dungeon Pets for years. I, I want to make this happen. Yes, but Dungeon Pets is a bidding slash worker placement game where you're So like the worker placement is interesting. You have groups of workers that you make yourself and like the biggest group goes first and you're going to a market to buy food. You're you're raising these pets, little monsters (laughs) for dungeon lords. So like you're on the other side of, you know, how usually in a dungeon, the monsters are bad and the heroes go and slay the monsters. But here you're raising the little pets monsters for the dungeon lords to put in their dungeons. And and so the dungeon lords want different types of pets and you're raising different types of pets and you have to like satisfy their needs by getting them food, playing with them, stuff like that. Um, it's very thematic, very cute art too. And I, I really enjoy it. Although I haven't played it in a long time. So I'll need to brush up on the rules, but that's dungeon pets. I mean, one of the great things about Board Game Arena is we could just start clicking around and <laughs> figure true. it out as we go to. <laughs> My D game is Deception Murder in Hong Kong, which, yes, Mm -hmm. our sponsor, Gray Fox Games, publishes, but y'all have heard both Ambie and I talk about this game a whole bunch of times over the years. It is one of my favorite social deduction games, and I really, really like it. I struggled with whether Detective Club should actually be here instead. Mm. 
I've only played, a I've played Detective Club a handful of times and I think it might overtake Deception the, if once I own it and play it more. But really, I've played Deception so many times over the years that like it's hard to unseat, even if I like Detective Club's yeah. mechanisms more. So Deception, Murder in Hong Kong, super awesome. One of your friends is a murderer and you got to find him out using clue cards. And it's wonderful. We've talked about it a bunch. Y'all know it. <laughs> Deception, Murder in Hong Kong. My favorite C game is Codenames, which is a party game, word party game. There's two two teams and there's a grid of 25 words and you're trying to give a clue to your teammates of one word and a number. And the number is like how many words you're trying to get them to guess because you have eight or nine words that you're trying to get them to guess over the time. So, so it's fun like trying to think of a clue that connects multiple words. And the word bank they use has... A lot of words that have multiple meanings to it, which is a very clever design because then like you can connect words to other words based on whatever meaning you're thinking of. And so it's really clever trying to connect all of those words. So that's code names. My love of this game got reinvigorated this year playing mm -hmm. it online because I yeah. had burned myself out on Codenames real hard back mm -hmm. after it first came out. I played it so much. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. yeah, and now like it had been long enough that I was like, ooh, no, I do love this still. Yes. <laughs> I will say Codenames Duet is still my favorite though. Yeah, I I've only played Duet a couple of times, but I like both. Awesome. My C game will likely come as no surprise to anyone as well, and that's Castell, the game about building human pyramids and competing in uh, festivals in Catalonia. It is one of the most thematic Euro games that I own, and one of the most fun, and I don't know why, but it just, it like scratches my brain in just the right way. There's enough things to keep track of to make it really interesting, but not so many that I can't like focus. I really, really love Castell a whole lot. And I still think it does not get the attention that it deserves. So I'm going to keep yelling about it forever. <laughs> that is why Castell is my C game. Oh, we might have a crossover for this uh, one. <laughs> I mean, if we, if you're saying that and we don't, it would be weird. <laughs> so uh, my, my letter B game is Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that is, <laughs> I mean, it is fun. If, wasn't my B game, there would be something very wrong considering it's my favorite game of all time. <laughs> so yes, Battlestar Galactica is in fact also my B game. <laughs> yeah, it's a very fun game. You can talk about it because... <laughs> I mean, this game is a shining beacon of how an IP game should be done because the theme enhances the experience but does not make it unapproachable for people who are not familiar with the IP already. And mm -hmm. that is really hard to do. Like yeah. the game is interesting in and of itself. And if you know the IP, it's just that much better. I love it so much. Uh, I've only played it twice in the past year. I need to play it again. Now that I know I, we can, I can play it online, I need to get the people from our Slack channel together again yeah. to play this. You should play with us. It well, was that, so much it's a longer game, so it's hard to play. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And, you know, one-year-olds will make that <laughs> yeah. difficult. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, yeah. Battlestar Galactica. Y'all, mm. <laughs> I mean, there's a reason why uh, in our uh, ballroom blitz parody song <laughs> i we literally put in a lyric you what four years ago yeah. or you three years it, ago like, yeah that i mention it uh yeah. <laughs> once or twice an episode which i used to do because yeah. when we first started it was a good like crutch for me to talk about 
And I don't say mention it by name as often anymore, but you all know I still love it. Yeah, it's great. My letter A was tough to pick because I have a few games that I like, but I ended up picking Android Netrunner, which I used to play a lot, but I actually haven't played in a long time and we got rid of our set. But I still... I loved it so much when I played it and we really got into it. And the only reason we got rid of it was because of what I mentioned earlier in the game with cards, um, like just keeping up with cards and having to know all the cards got too much, too much time for us. But like Toby and I used to play that. So Android Runner is a two player card game. If you've played Magic the Gathering, it's a similar thing. It's, it's a living card game though, which means like, you buy the packs that you buy, you know what cards are in it. It's not like random cards that you get, which is nice, but there were still like a lot of expansions. <laughs> um, but we used to go to tournaments. So it's asymmetrical two-player card game. There's one person is a runner and the other person's a corporation and the runner is trying to hack into the corporation. So they're putting down programs that can break into the corporation's ice. There's like lots of weird terms that <laughs> for for the cards and stuff but the corporation is putting cards face down that block the runner cards and so the runner has cards that can like get past those face down cards so when they go into it you turn it face up and so you can lay traps and stuff as the corporation and so there's a lot of mind games but then uh, yeah it, it was a lot of fun but you basically have to know the cards that are possible because of all of those mind games uh, and it, it got pretty exhausting like going to tournaments and stuff and when we stopped going to tournaments, we just stopped playing and then got rid of our game. But I still have like really good memories of playing that game. And uh, I, I really, really liked Android Netrunner. So, I mean, yeah. this feels like, at least for, for you, the way you've described it to me, it sounds like something similar to what the way we describe legacy game experiences now. Like, mm. you, even if you're not going to come back to the thing, like, that doesn't yeah. diminish the experience you had with it. So, yeah. the fact that you don't own it or play it anymore, like, to me, that has no bearing. Like, of course, it can be your favorite A game. <laughs> like, yeah, like, that makes sense to me. <laughs> and there was like one year where that was basically all we played. We, we played other games too, but we played that a lot. Like, the, the person at the game store knew us by name because we would go all the time for that game. And it's like, yeah. And we would talk about Netrunner with, with him, and yeah, that was a lot of fun. Have you played Unmatched from Restoration Games yet? I have not, no. I think, based on the way you describe Android Netrunner, I think mm -hmm. you would enjoy Unmatched as a, you know, lighter, less time-intensive version, because mm -hmm. it is similar in that, like, you kind of do need to know a little bit about what is possible in all of the decks, because, like, mm -hmm. when I've played certain decks for the first time, like... I, I, this was forever ago now, but like Kathy had, I think Medusa's deck and Medusa has one card that's like really crazy powerful and neither one of us knew it was coming. <laughs> and then she was like, oh, <laughs> like, so those moments, I mean, you can still, you don't have to know the cards, but it's helpful. But like you all, it's also not intensive to learn them because mm -hmm. every deck you pick up, you can kind of scroll, scan through and be like, okay, this is what could happen. Mm -hmm. I think you would really like it. We should, we should reach out to Restoration because you and I could play Unmatched over <laughs> I know it did so many things, so many but like kids. this would be a fun one for us to play on stream as mm -hmm. well. And you don't have to have the same sets as me because it doesn't matter like which oh, yeah, heroes cool. each of us mm -hmm. play. That's what's really neat about it. Yeah. My A game, I will admit, I struggled with whether I should replace this with a game that I just learned like a couple weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. So the new game that I just learned that almost made the list is Awkward Guests. Oh, because yeah. 
It is so much fun. Mm -hmm. You all will hear me talk about that probably more in the near future, but my A game is going to be Architects of the West Kingdom. It is one of my favorite worker placement games. It works well at multiple player counts. It's just really, really fun. And I like that there is a decent amount of interaction between the players in the, how you're capturing other people's workers, but that it doesn't feel mean like some games of this style do. Because generally when you're rounding up somebody else's workers, it's because they were about to collect a whole bunch of resources from that spot. And so everybody, when they get captured, they're like, yeah, that makes sense. Like nobody's like, oh, why would you do that? You know, like it's it's all very strategic and makes sense. I still have not played Paladins of the West Kingdom or Vicon of the West Kingdom, which I've heard multiple people enjoy those games even more. Mm. Uh, maybe I would, but for now, Architects is the only one I've played and it is the one I love. So that is why it is my A game. Yay. And that's it for this week's Board Game Blitz. Visit our website, boardgameblitz.com, for video and blog content, as well as to get links to all our social media pages. This episode was sponsored by Grey Fox Games. Looking for an abstract strategy game that rocks? Stay tuned for more info about Ragnaroks, coming soon from the designer who brought you Santorini. Grey Fox Games, quality games cleverly crafted. Join the Blitzketeer community on Discord by following the link in the show notes. You can support the show by leaving us a rating and review on your podcast provider. And if you want behind-the-scenes access and an invite to our private Slack channel, visit patreon.com slash boardgameblitz. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Morrow, technical support provided by Toby Mal. Board Game Blitz is part of the Dice Tower Network. Until next time, don't worry. Be blitzy. Bye, everyone. Bye. Words with multiple meanings, which is really uh, um, <laughs> thoughtful. No. <laughs> Good, good thinking job by a designer. <laughs> really <laughs> clever, clever. Yes. Um, <laughs> like, like, what is the word I'm thinking? That okay. that one's gold right there. <laughs> good okay. thinking job by a designer. <laughs> okay. Right. Um, yeah. And the word bank they oops. And, the, <laughs> and join the bliss kateer. <laughs> Okay. Join the Blitzk... Why can't I say Blitzketeer? Oh, I, it's I, a hard word. Say. It's a hard word. <laughs> Join the Blitz... <laughs> <laughs> um, so now we're, we need to rename our fans because... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, y'all. I know it's been years in the making, but it's gone now. <laughs> you can support the show by leaving us a rating and review on your body... I just can't speak today. I don't think it's the word. It's just, it's just me. Okay. Don't worry. Does, does it go faster? Because yeah. it's like there's a big... I mean, there's a pause. It's don't worry. Be blitzy. Yeah. It's like two beats in okay. between. I did two, the pause too long.